the Driven Women's Guide to Love, Life, and Business. Hosted by the boss ladies Alex and Gabby. Combined, their network gathers an array of women from various industries who exemplify strength and tenacity. Their fun and positive approach to life will awaken the boss in you. You're listening to Girls Gone Boss. Selenis is one of the breakout stars of Netflix's original hit series, Orange is a New Black. She currently stars in Disney Plus' new hit family series, A Diary of a Future President, executive produced by Gina Rodriguez. She recently released the much-anticipated memoir, My Sister, How One Sibling's Transition Changes Us Both. Selenis is a strong advocate for LGBTQ rights and works closely with LGBTQ human rights organizations, GLAAD, and anti-bullying campaigns. Hey everyone, so excited to bring you yet another episode of Girls Gone Boss. I'm Gabby. And I'm Alex. And today we have a special guest that we're so psyched to have. Uh, she's a breakout star of Netflix's hit series, Orange is the New Black. Currently, she's a star of the Disney Plus family series, A Diary of a Future President. And recently, she just released her very much anticipated memoir, My Sister, and she's here to share it all. Welcome to Lenny Leva. Welcome. Hi, guys. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on the podcast. So excited. Yes, go ahead. Selenis, we have actually, the three of us have met before, and we're going to refresh yeah. your memory. So I mean, I met before two with Stacy, but... This is yes. even before Stacy. I really? want to yes. So I want to say that this was probably back in 2010 or 2009, maybe. And you, Gabby, and I worked for Viacom for MTV in Miami on Lincoln Road, and you uh-huh. came with Dasha to yes. our offices, and then we went up to the rooftop and we had to drinks. The to the fabulous rooftop yes. that was like a freaking, it, it looked like a jungle. Yes. Slash, like it was like amazing. Yes, I remember. Yep. I absolutely remember. <laughs> yeah, we, we had, had a, a good time that day. There's <laughs> a picture. Oh yeah. my God, my hair is so short. I think I want to cut it again. Oh, that yeah. was so much fun. That was fun, you guys. Yeah. That, we were just talking with Alex how like it was such a fabulous house. Like Chanel curtains, we had a fine ass Italian little um waiter. Well, we know him. <laughs> yes, I remember, and I was like, Wait, I want to move in with these guys. They, <laughs> do you think they'll let me? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> oh my god, but uh, we just thought it was so funny that it's like such a full circle moment, and yeah. um, and we were so happy to, to just come and talk to you. We know that you're doing so many things. Um, just tell us a little bit about your start, how you got into acting, and just give a little bit of background of, for everyone listening. Yeah, well, I, you know, from the time that I can remember, I was obsessed with 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 acting, and it, and it was all like the telenovelas that my parents would, you know, continuously watch every single day. If you're a Latina, you know, you know what that's like. So um, I re- remember just watching that and thinking that looks like fun to be able to 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 cry to to scream to to just kind of transform and um and then from that i just followed it up with uh applying to laguardia high school um in the city i you know grew up in the bronx and so that was like a big deal for me that was like the first time that i literally was like i want to be an actor and i'm going to take the plunge and go to this amazing amazing school that is known for being the top at the time the top school for 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 the arts um and so you know i my process wasn't easy to even be to even get the audition because my 
counselors in the school in the Bronx didn't feel that someone like me would get in. Um, literally his quote, <laughs> um, he didn't, he never saw me act. Nobody had, but he felt that someone like me had no chance of getting into a fancy prestigious school. Um, and so, uh, I, that I, I learned how to fight early on for what I wanted from my place at the table, you know, and I was only 14 years old and I, I demanded that you know, I get this audition and I made my mother schlep from the Bronx to 66th Street. Um, we took two trains to get there and she spent her entire Saturday waiting for me in the lobby uh, thinking like, oh my God, did they kidnap her? What's going on? But little did she know that I was like, you know, going from one stage to the next. Like it was like, you know, I was progressing as far as like the callbacks were concerned but my mother you know a woman from the Dominican Republic didn't speak any English didn't even dare get up and ask anyone so anyway long story short I graduated from from LaGuardia High School and I continue you know the fight to to do theater in New York and to be cast as uh, every maid uh, that Latino theater could could freaking muster up you know here I was at the age of 20 21 um, and never being seen as the leading lady um, because I didn't look like the other actresses that were part of this Latino, you know, uh, theater company. Um, and so, you know, early on, I had to kind of like sit by, sit off at the wings, waiting for, you know, La Criada's moment to come in and, you know, be like, si senora, and walk off. So that was a big part of my early years. Um, in the Spanish theater in New York. And, uh, but then I started, you know, doing other stuff and getting little roles here and there, every law and order role under the sun, um, up until the moment that changed my life with Orange is the New Black. Oh my God, which gets us to the next question, which I think, you yeah. know, everyone has known your, you know, your character, you know, Gloria Mendoza from this hit mm -hmm. show. How did you get, I remember when you were at MTV, you were telling the story on, when you first, you guys first knew about the series and it was kind of like, ah, oh, whatever, yeah. you, know, you guys didn't think it was going to be this big deal, right? Am I wrong? Yeah, I remember. At all. We didn't think it was going to be a big deal at all. I was like, you know, even auditioning, I had given up acting a couple of months prior to auditioning for um, Orange is the New Black. I had gotten to a point in my life in 2011 where I was like, I'm done with the gigs. I'm done with being a single mother and always feeling like I I'm just surviving. Like I wanted more from my kid at the time and um, had given up. And then this came up and it came and I thought a web series <laughs> like, y'all, you want me for a web series? Because nobody knew Netflix then for streaming. We knew it for, you know, getting your like, I guess, the videos and, you know. So for me, it just seemed like, oh, my gosh, I guess my career really is over. <laughs> but little did I know that it was going to become part that it was going to change the whole scene as far as like how we saw, right? How we see movies nowadays, how we see everything. Streaming is now part of the regular world where when we started, we were like the guinea pigs. Nobody thought it, we didn't think it was going to be a big deal, you know? Um, and it just, it, when it happened, we were just like, holy crap. Is that us, like on the side of the bus? Is that <laughs> us, like on the side? Are we in Times Square? You know, it was it was very surreal, and it took me twenty years 
to get to that point. You know what I really love about the series is um, the background character stories. It really humanizes yeah. them, and it makes you. Yeah. It, it makes you. It, you're you're all relatable. There's a little bit of all of us in all of your background stories, which is amazing yeah. writing to begin with. Yeah, yeah. I think that the the concept was genius. You know, to be able to not just tell the story superficially, but really kind of get in there and dive in because you know people could get turned off by like oh women's prison story. You know, oh Latinas and Black women in prison. You know, uh, in the beginning I got a lot of flack from people going oh great you're you know another. Another show with Latinas being, you know, stereotypical. And I'm like, no, this is a prison show. It's a show about all women in prison. Um, and it's, you know, how they got there. And, and, and I felt that it really humanized a lot of the women who are incarcerated, you know, and made you care. Like suddenly people were, you know, I think inter people forget that entertainment really does stir the pot as far as like getting people aware of things. You know, people started talking about, not that it was the first time, but people really started paying attention to prison reform. Suddenly it became like a big topic and we were involved in that. And people started to care about women who were incarcerated because usually we don't, you know, for whatever reason, we just think about men, men, but no, these are, they're women who are incarcerated for petty crimes, women who were mothers. Um, you know, I love that we were also one of the first people to really dive into the transgender narrative and give it a real, real, you know, like in depth look, not just something that was like superficial. Um, so I think that, you know, it, it was great. It's been great to know that no matter what happens in this crazy world, we made history with this show. Yeah, it was definitely groundbreaking and much respect to you guys. Do you still have like one, like all the wonderful relationships with all the ladies from the show? Like, do you guys still keep in touch? Like, I'm sure you guys have awesome, yes. you know, friendship. Yeah, absolutely. I've, yeah, we do. We do. We, you know, we um, sometimes not as much, you know, time flies and people are doing different things. But we always come back and we, you know, the, there's always like a little group message that happens. Uh, you know, I was on the phone with, with Dasha just last week like we you know we all really continue to to love and support each other even if it's just from a distance and i think that's beautiful and this is exactly what this podcast is all about too it's about empowering and like really telling women out there that we do need to stick together and we need to support yeah. each other and i see it I, I think it's it's a beautiful thing and i wanted to ask you after that did you find it still a little bit difficult as a woman of color to still navigate through hollywood and entertainment um after even a big mm -hmm. show hit like like orange is the new black you know what i what i what i found because you know i was able to you know get off of this amazing platform, you know, on Netflix, Orange is the New Black, and get cast in something else that was <laughs> is monumental, like Disney Plus, another streaming giant. So I was fortunate enough to kind of just go from one job to the other. But I think that I was scared of the the what if, the what if I didn't work after Orange, you know, because I know how difficult it is for um, women in general, uh, women of color in general, and for me, being um, a Latina, an Afro-Latina, um, you know, I am a black woman and, and, and I'm a Latina. So that, that in and of itself is, is, is hard to navigate in a world that continues to perpetrate the idea that Latinas should look a certain way. 
Um, and that's still a big thing, you know what I mean? As much as we've grown um, and as much as there are a lot of different representations now and women who look more like me, you know, um, it's still it's still a, a fight. It's definitely still a fight, fight because it's like the same type of roles can be offered to you. Like I remember like as I was approaching the end of Orange, every single thing that I was like offered uh, was... Uh, just another type of Gloria Mendoza, you know what I mean? It was literally Gloria Mendoza <laughs> out of jail, you know? And so I, I, I was scared of that. I was scared of being pigeonholed in, in that type of world. And not that I have anything against playing, you know, a Latina, um, but it's just the type of roles that, that were being offered that I felt like, yikes, you know, this might be a little bit, this might be hard. Um, or just the idea of, you know, going from a worldwide phenomenon, right, to suddenly being like, damn, am I going to have to work at Starbucks? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's that's real. I don't, you know, we have to be very honest with the, the privileges and luxuries that other actors have. And 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 I don't think I'm there yet. I, I don't think I'm there yet. I think that I am respected in the industry. I think people do see the work, um, the history of, of my work. Um, but the the fear is still there like the fear is still there yeah because it, it's not as easy as we think just to go from one job to the next right no it's not I mean, it unless was a you blessing. are a certain person yeah a certain type of person i mean there there are people you know that that were able to do that but uh, i think that for the most part i think we all were like oh god you know not all but a good group of us, a good chunk of us were like, damn, are we gonna like, are we gonna work again? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm glad I saved my pennies because like, you just, you're scared. You don't know what's coming next. But what's next was even bigger and better and it always gets bigger and better, you know, right? So tell us about yes. Disney Plus and your new series, which is obviously getting season two. So and that's, it's that's so great. cute. It's the cutest so series. Cute. I love it. Thank you. I am so happy to be part of the Disney Plus family, um, you know, and to be in the show Diary of a Future President with such an amazing cast. Like, honest to God, I love those kids desperately. Like, they're so cute and they're so kind. And, and Gina Rodriguez, you know, from day one, um, when I found out that this show was going to happen, I remember... I remember texting her and I was like, do I need to get on a plane and audition? Like I will, I will be in LA tomorrow if you need me in the room. And she says, you stay put queen. Cause you're my Gabby. You know what I mean? You are Gabby. Like just stay put. And I was like, I'm just letting you know if I need to convince people I'm on that plane. So from the very beginning, she she was very clear that she wanted not only um, to to give employment to other Latinos, right? Um, but she was very specific. She wanted this role to be an Afro Latina. She 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 knows that there is um, a gap in that, right? For all of of, of us that don't look. An- a certain way and she she made sure that that she she gave me employment you know what i'm saying um and i i appreciate that because i think that when people have a luxury of being able to work because you know 
um, it comes easy or because they've, they've hit a, a certain place in their career, um, it's important to continue to make room for others. It's important to send the elevator back down, you know, it's, it's that, that is key. And, and, and unfortunately, I don't think enough of us in Hollywood, um, and I'm speaking to the Latino culture specifically here, I don't think enough of us do that. I think I don't think enough of us are confident enough to send the elevator back down. We keep it on on our floor, um, mm. and 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 that's the problem <laughs> that I have experienced in Hollywood um, with the lack of support from the community. And there is, and I will continue to say it: there is a big, big lack of support amongst Latinos in Hollywood, unless you belong to the very specific clicky group that exists. Well, I'm happy to hear that um, Gina and and you are people that are paying that forward and making sure that we do send the elevator back down. Yeah. And what a, an amazing world would we live in if Gina Rodriguez was actually president, right? How amazing would that be? Yeah. <laughs> that would be phenomenal. So I'd vote for her. Oh, okay. Second times over, yes. So speaking of <laughs> her and her character and, and wanting to become president as a, as a little girl, what advice would you give l young women, young ladies who have big dreams, much like Elena's? I think, you know, you have to keep going. And along the way, you will hear a lot of people say that you can't or that you shouldn't. And you have to remember that that's not your journey. It's their projection. You know, it's their fears that they want to then project on you. A lot of times I felt that when people said no to me along the way or, or tried to make me be quote unquote realistic, it was because somewhere along the line for them, they stopped fighting for what they really wanted. They allowed fear to get in the way or maybe they allowed someone else to stop their dreams. So um, I, I always tell young women and young men You can be anything you want to be. And that is not a hokey line. This is reality. You can indeed be anything you set out to be, you know, from, you know, uh, attorney general to the president of the United States, to ambassador, to the CEO, whatever it is that you want to do, you can do it. And the only person that can stop you is you. That's it. The, oh, you're, we are our worst enemy. Whenever I get in my head that I can't do something, uh, which is not often, but when I get in my head, like, oh, no, I shouldn't, I can't, I shouldn't, then, then I freaking waste a lot of time and energy. But, you know, when I'm like, this is it, and, and you tell me no, then, then I'm on a mission to prove you wrong, you know, and then I'm just like, so I always tell people, you know, the only person that can get in the way is you. And, and for all the naysayers that will come to you because they will be there, they will be very present and very vocal. You need to have that ability to shut them out and prove them wrong. I love that. You know, there's like a common thread of a lot of the women that come on the podcast. A lot of them just like how you said you called Gina right away and you were like, Gina, I am the girl for you. You went for it. Yeah. You weren't tippy-toeing around it. You weren't, like, asking for permission. You went in no. confidently. So the, I think yeah. that's a great job to take. I was like, this is my role. <laughs> I was like, this is my role. <laughs> Which proves, like, manifestation and believing and dreaming big is all about what you say, what you think. And, and it, it truly, you can make whatever it is you want come true. 
But you have to, it has to, yeah. you have to believe it. You believed it and you went you for it. You have to believe it. You have to. And even when, when Orange was ending, I remember like saying to myself, because seven seasons, seven years on, on Orange is the New Black, playing Gloria Mendoza, I didn't realize the toll that it was taking on my body and my physical being. Although I enjoyed that ride tremendously, I think that there was a lot of that journey that um, really uh, was painful, um, was uh, toxic, and um, that's, you know, yeah. And so I was, you know, because again, you know, people are only looking for what's happening on the outside. And, you know, and although we all, you know, we, we all got along and stuff like that and supported each other. There was, you know, there, there are always powers that be that want to um, divide. There are always power, and it always comes from elsewhere. It even comes from outside the house, right? Um, that, that it becomes a little funky, you know what I'm saying? Um, and I remember uh, it just started getting heavy. It started getting heavy. So by the time like the season was like, they were like, we're gonna end this, you know? I was like, okay, good. You know, um, not because I didn't love the work, love the people, but it was time to move on. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, when you reach a point in a relationship where you're like, I could love you, but we are no longer good for each other. Um, and I think that's where I got. And I, I you know, I don't want to speak for anybody else, but I know that's where I got um, that. It was like time to move on time to kind of maybe. And I remember saying to myself, I want my next job to be lighter, not lighter in workload, but lighter in my soul. Like mm -hmm. I wanted something light. Gloria Mendoza, as much as I love her, was a heavy character was someone who was constantly in in pain and 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 fighting for her life and fighting for the lives of, of her friends. Do you know what I mean? So for me, I just wanted something lighter in my universe because I needed it. I didn't realize how much that last season was draining me until I see pictures of myself. And then I'm like, I don't even recognize me. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah. Yeah, that I, I wanted something lighter, <laughs> and you attracted it. And now it's gonna go into season two. Like when you found out what happened, were you like over the moon? I was because you know we found out during quarantine. You know, and actually I found out the week um, the weekend of my birthday it was like the weekend that I was celebrating my birthday, and in, in, you know, ended up like heading out of town and stuff. And and Gina and the producers were like, we want to get, we want to see you guys, you know, we want to do a Zoom call. And I was like, well, this is either going to be uh, good or really bad. You know, I was hoping that we would get that second season. I think that the stories need to, to continue to be told. I think it's so important for, for young people in general, boy, girl, no matter what your background is, to see this example of this young woman who this young lady who eventually turns out to be the president of the United States and where she comes from and and how her family is so important to her and and middle school angst and and it's also for me important as an Afro Latina to play a role that doesn't necessarily have to be Afro Latina it could be anyone I'm a mother I'm a mother um, who is not struggling who is not in you know angst um, you know, she has her little boyfriend and stuff like that. And that's like 
the most dramatic stuff that's happening to her, but it's real life. And, and I think it's important for us all to see our community in a light that is um, powerful. You know, I play a lawyer on the show, you know, and I just happen to be the mother of the future president. So these are things that I, I would love more and more to see our community um, see themselves in, you know, see these stories and, and be able to say, oh, wow, that's us. Because we keep saying representation matters. It really does matter. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, yeah. the, the, the pandemic has been tough, you know, on all of us. What what has this pandemic these past few months taught you about dealing with just um, people and, and life in general? You know, this pandemic has taught me that, oof, you know, life can really just flip and change in a matter of seconds. You know, um, like you really like this. I, I don't I mean, we've none of us have ever lived through something like this where it literally felt so outside of anything that we could even fathom. Like it was shocking. And it's still to me like, are we ever going to get back to like real life, like in a, in, in a real way? Or is just this going to be like the new norm where we're just going to have to walk around with these masks and social distance and tests and, and, and live in fear? Um, so it's taught me to be very present very, very present. Um, uh, along with the beginning of the pandemic, I lost a very dear friend of mine to cancer. And and, and last night, we lost a, a giant actor, um, yes. Chadwick, to, to cancer. And I just feel like, um, damn it, life is short. Life is short, and we need to be present. And we need to um, be easy on ourselves. Uh, as much as possible. I'm very hard on myself for the most part. So I am choosing to lighten up a little bit and enjoy life more and yeah. just be present. Yeah. Because, you know, <laughs> uh, this is, these are not easy times. No. And, and, and like you said, like we got to take advantage of the time that we do have. And every second counts, especially with the people that we love. And it doesn't have to be your own family. It's just, just people that we love in general, just right? People. Yeah, just people. be kind to each other. Yeah, and just being kind. Mm -hmm. Like, we're losing that. I think, you know, and that's one of the things that have made me really sad. Like, I'm just like, why am I so sad, you know? And, and though I have, I'm so lucky to have so much love in my life, um, but I'm also saddened to see the state of the world. I'm saddened to see humanity at its worst. Um, we, there's a lot of anger out here and a lot of division and it is, it's kind of scary, you know, um, because I don't, I, I don't know how it could even get better. I don't know. I, and that's the scary part. Like I have a, a young daughter who I'm just like, I don't even know what to tell her Yeah. because saying it's going to be all right, honestly, sometimes doesn't even feel <laughs> honest and you know what I don't know if it's yeah be all right right and Selenice you know what though to that point I have a I have um an eight-month-old now um so I I always think like man oh the mess <laughs> that we are leaving behind for the next generation that's gonna come behind us to have to deal with and to fix yeah. is 
it's not fair to them, man. Like you would think that at this point we would have gotten our shit together and figure out how to get along. But this just keeps going. And like you said, it's a sad, sad state that we're in right now. But people like like you, like Gina, like us, Gabby, me, we got to keep pushing forward for our children, for our daughters and just for the future of humanity in general. So I agree. Absolutely. And, you know, I have a daughter. I have a a young daughter and really quickly that I know I know her generation. I know this generation that that, that's currently coming up is smarter than we are. I I have more faith in them. I think that we just need to get out of the way, along with all the dinosaurs that are now occupying um, government jobs and, and holding seats in the Senate and uh, et cetera, et cetera. I think that these dinosaurs need to just kind of move out the way because that old way of thinking is what's keeping us down and keeping us um, stale. I do believe in the future, as long as we give them a chance to kind of come in and and fix the disaster that we've uh, created. I couldn't agree with you more. We're going to take a really quick break to hear a word from our sponsor, and we're going to be right back. We want to hear all about your book. This episode is brought to you by Ebby. Ebby is a seamless underwear membership co-founded by actress and entrepreneur Sofia Vergara. Let's face it, we all need underwear. Underwear is essential and women empowering each other is essential. I love that Ebby brings these two things together. Every time you buy Ebby's undies, they commit 10% of net proceeds to the Seven Bar Foundation. And this foundation distributes small loans to women so that they can start or grow their own business, breaking the cycle of poverty for their children and community. As Ebby gets more subscriptions, they fund more loans. So today we invite you to get 20% off your first order by using code BOSS20 at joinebby.com. That's joineby.com. Let's change the world together and empower women everywhere. So, you know, the pandemic hit, but you got to work. You worked on a book, which um, was released. um, And it's, you know, it holds a very special place in your heart. So tell us a little bit more about my sister, how one sibling's transition changes both of us. Um, You know, this book came out, literally, we were supposed to start our book tour uh, right the, the the week that everything shut down, that the world stopped, we were starting our book tour. And when we when we saw that this was probably going to happen, you know, like we could see things happening in the world that were looking funky, I said, oh, we're not going to have this book tour. And it was really painful for myself and for my sister um, not to be able to take that moment and really talk to people and go to the cities and, and things like that. So in the beginning of the pandemic, we were really busy with Zoom interviews and um, we used it was like the entire first month of the the shutdown I felt like okay I could deal with this because I was so busy like I was like back-to-back interviews and I had to do my own glam and so I was constantly working and it and 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 promoting our our book which was for me like okay well at least we could do this um and that kind of kept me sane for that first month because I was so eager to talk about our book, which is some, which was co-written between myself and my sister Marisol, who is a transgender woman. And um, the reason why we decided to write this book, well, the reason why I came to my sister with the idea to write the book was after the Caitlyn Jenner infamous um, Vanity Fair cover. I remember feeling so happy for Caitlyn and thinking, oh my God, could you imagine years, decades of having to hide who you really are? Um, 
But then the next day I felt really yucky about it. And I was like, why am I feeling like all of a sudden, like not so great about this? And it was because I felt that the narrative that was this, this glamorous image of this Caucasian, you know, transgender, super wealthy, super famous, a part of the Kardashian clan, you know, was getting these accolades and was able to get the right hormones, was able to get um, security, glam squads, was able to get surgeries if she wanted to, right? She would, she was, she would be able to go to the top surgeons. So I felt like if you do not fit into that category, then do you get the same respect? Do you, are you seen the way this person is being seen? Are you celebrated the same way? And I knew that the answer was no. Um, not only because I have a transgender sister, but because I've worked with enough trans people in the community and I've talked to enough people in the LGBTQ plus community to know that if you are poor, if you are black or brown, um, you are not celebrated in this fashion. And I felt that that was a scary narrative because if you don't look a certain way and you're transgender, then you are at risk of not being accepted. And if you're not accepted, you are at risk of being in danger, as we have seen so much, especially in this last year with all the murders um, specifically towards black transgender women. So for me, it was really important to give my sister the opportunity to tell her story and to tell it without, you know, filter, just, just come out and say it because I knew that her story would resonate more with the community than let's say a Caitlyn Jenner. And this is not to bash Caitlyn Jenner. I celebrate her, you know, her journey is her journey. But I think it was important to to say that's not the norm. You know, the norm is this, and I want my sister to tell it. And I knew that it was also important for me as a as a cis woman and as an ally with a platform to give her that opportunity. And my sister Marisol was brave enough to say, "Okay, I trust you, and let's do this this together." And it says that it's, it changes both of us. So how has it changed you? Like, you know, her, you know, everything that she's gone yeah. through. Um, and I want to commend you for okay. being a support system to your sister, because, you know, that's, I Thank think, you. what's missing, um, especially in the Latino community. Um, they don't yeah. talk about it. It's not understood. It's very taboo. It's very el que dirán. But, mm -hmm. you know, and people feel so left out, you know, because of it. Yeah. yeah. Alone. No, I, you know, it, they do. They feel absolutely alone. And it was really important also for me to also show that the narrative doesn't always have to be uh, you're trans, you get kicked out of your home, you no longer have a family. I wanted to also celebrate the fact that just like our family, I know that there's other families that exist out there who have been supportive of their loved ones who are part of the LGBTQ plus community. So, but it was also important to highlight, you know, the that Latinos, um, we do have a hard time. 
we have a hard time with with having these conversations. You know, we we the machismo exists so much in our culture, and it's not even like bad versus good. It's just that is what we have been conditioned for yeah. years, for centuries, right? Like female roles, male roles, and these are the roles, and this is how it has to be. And so we knew that it was even more important to say, you know, to our Latino community. You know, we have to be vocal and we have to be honest about this and we have to be supportive of of our loved ones, because if not, they are in danger of the streets. They are in danger of coming of, of being alone and therefore possibly ending their lives. And it's not to say that that can't happen to anybody who's, you know, who has a loving family, but there's something to be said. When you do have a support system that you can go to them, that you can find solace in them, that you can sleep on their couch if you need to, that, you know, you don't have to be on the streets. There's something to be said about family and about the safety of that, that we need as a community, as humans in general, to just be there for for our trans brothers and sisters. You know, it, we need to do that. I agree. And I, I agree, too, that um, it must be the reason why you did it in Spanish as well, the book, is in order to open those conversations and have people maybe that are older and may not understand it kind of see it from a, a, a different point of view, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we are, you know, we consider ourselves part of the Latino culture, right? We grew up as Latinas in the Bronx and, and our parents are, you know, Cuban Dominican and I felt like well this book has to be in Spanish you know we were Latinas how could we not have a book in our language right um, so that our community can read it and one of the biggest things was for my parents to be able to read it you know and and that was hard for them they sat there with their books you know and you know my mother on one side of the house my father on the other side and they would have to take breaks and my mother was like this is too much too much and it's not that she didn't live it but there was a lot of things that she didn't even know about Marisol, about things that, that happened to Marisol, um, about things that I was going through. And before the book came out, I did sit down with my parents and said, I just want you to know the book is gonna come out and it's going to have this, this, and this, and this in it. And these are hard topics, but I want you to not be surprised. And, um, but it's one thing to be told that and another thing to, to read it in detail. Um, that was really hard for them. but. The idea of this book being in Spanish is solely for people who need to educate themselves, people who still need to be convinced that all humans, that all lives matter, um, people that need to still be convinced that because your loved one, your child, your son, your daughter decides to start living their truth, it doesn't mean that... Um, you're going to lose them or that they should lose you. Um, you know, I, I know that it was difficult for my parents in many ways, you know, um, but it was difficult not because they were like, we don't want to accept her. It was difficult because of the things that happened and surrounded her. Um, so if my parents, if my Cuban father, you know, from Cuba, like macho, and my Dominican Catholic mother are able to say, this is my daughter, this is my child, 
I be, I am going to love my child and support my child, then I'm hoping other families can do the same. This is a book about saving lives. It's not just a book about us telling our story. It's a book about us really hoping and praying that we could save a life. And, and the book not only is um, a story about us, in my sister's transition and how that really did change me because it did change me going back to, I think you asked me that a while ago. It changed me in that I have, I have become um, more aware of my privilege of being a cis woman, my privilege of, of not having anyone doubt who I am by looking at me as far as my gender goes. You know what I mean? There is a privilege in that, you know, just like I'm, I know that there's a privilege to be a white Latino, you know, versus an Afro Latino. Like there's privileges that come with that. And and for me, I I look at my sister and we are one in our experiences and what we want. We are women. We we want to be loved. We want to find companions that will respect us, that love us, you know, we want to live um, beautiful lives, you know, uh, we want a home, a beautiful home, we want to be able to have jobs. And a lot of the times people in the trans community don't can't even imagine that because they're told that they don't deserve that. Yeah. So for so many reasons, this book um, is so important to us. And I'm hoping and I'm inviting everyone to pick up the book. It's on Amazon. And it's, it's in Spanish, mi hermana. Um, and and if you have someone in your life, that is struggling to tell someone, you know, about their experience or a family member that just doesn't get it, buy the book. I don't know. Share it with them. You know, talk to them. Read it yourself. And maybe you can find ways of, of, of finding the courage or the vocabulary to, be, to express yourself. Um, I'm really hoping that, um, and I know it has because we've already gotten so many beautiful responses from people saying how it's helped them. Um, so that to me and to my sister means a whole lot. So you you touched upon um, how you can support someone by picking up the book, reading about it, doing your research. How else can we support a loved one that might be going through that, that journey of transitioning? Because I'm sure that journey, it, it has to be so incredibly mentally exhausting mm -hmm. for them. Yeah. How can we yeah. offer support um, to them while they're going through that? What are some other yeah. tips that you have besides like when you actually speak to them? When I actually speak to people, I always say, make sure that you have support for yourself, you know, that you find um, whether it's an organization, which a lot of organizations do exist and they not only cater to English speaking, but also Spanish speaking. You know, we have a resource section in our, in our book of places that you can call hotlines and organizations that exist so that you can get the help. I always, we say to people, make sure that you have help, make sure you have a support system, you know, because this is really hard to go through by yourself. And my biggest thing is always to ask, ask the person that is going through it, what they need of you, because you'd be surprised how much that doesn't even come up. Like nobody asks, how can I help you? How can I help you? Um, what is it that you want me to, to know about your experience? How, how can I be a true ally besides, you know, retweeting and posting, you know, 
uh, a flag once a year. Like, how can I be of assistance to you? And I think about this because in one of my um, trips with the Stonewall Foundation here in New York City, we, we did a little tour of some of the facilities that cater to LGBTQ plus um, young children. You know, I think it was the ages up until might have been like from 14 to 21 or something like that. But it was just catering to, um, you know, the community. And I remember going to one of the the tiny little underserved places in the Bronx, because let me tell you something, between Manhattan, you know, facilities and the Bronx, you can see the big difference. You know, that's another thing, um, how certain communities have, you know, better access to, to certain things. But I ended up going to this little basement in the Bronx and there was a group of uh, I think that they didn't even really care that I was there they were kind of like whatever she's probably just going to come by and take a picture and leave um, and that's how they giving me a tour and we were about to head out and I said I want to stay and I want to talk to them and then I said is it okay for me to talk to you guys and they were then they stopped you know and were like what is she up to you know um, and I remember saying, I need to know how I can help you. How can I be an ally to you? What do you need? And I'll never forget this beautiful young woman, this trans woman breaking down, sobbing. Her body was shaking, sobbing. She says, no one has ever asked me that. No one has ever asked me what I need, what I want. And that stopped me in my tracks. And then it became like this beautiful event where people were talking to me and then they were open and people were hugging me and we took pictures. But it was because they, for the first time, wasn't just like a celebrity going through the space, you know what I mean? Like doing the whole like, oh, I'm here, I'm gonna take a picture and I'm gonna post it. It was more like me wanting to talk to them. And when she said that to me, she said, no one's ever asked me what I, what I need. Wow. Wow. Can you imagine? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Well, I think bottom line is us as humans, we just want to be seen. You know, we want somebody to see us, you know? And I remember that I recall that so, so much from just um, watching Oprah and her podcast. I obviously love Oprah. And she she always does that. It's like people want to be seen and loved and know that they matter. So that's, right. that's beautiful that you were connecting in that way. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is, honestly. So anybody listening that may yeah, be going you. through something, they have a family member that, you know, that may be going through this, I really, really suggest that you pick up the book, um, maybe use it, use it as a resource to open conversations, um, to just even educate yourself on how to approach approach it. Um, but we want to just let you know that it, it's all about people wanting to yeah. be loved and seen, not judged. Yes. So, but anyways. Absolutely. And it's available note, on audio as well. As, if, it's easier, if it's easier for you to listen to it, it's available on audio as well. That's right. That's right. Um, but, but okay, back to you being a mom, an author, a, an actress. How do you find, find downtime and how do you find peace? Yeah. I mean, what's your, like, do you have a routine, anything you do? 
Uh, you know, I think that this pandemic, man, <laughs> has taught me to find different creative ways, right? Um, uh, to, to find my peace. Um, I, <laughs> I love music and I love dancing. So I think that, you know, there's nothing more glorious for me than if I want my mood to change for me to crank up the music as loud as possible and just dance like a maniac all over my house, like just full on dance mode. Um, that is a big part of what I was doing during this pandemic. I was watching a lot of Zumba videos and going off. Um, <laughs> I loved it. And and for me, walks are really important now that we're able to kind of, you know, go outside and things like that. I walk with my mask on. Um, I love walking. I think that I can walk for forever. Um, I enjoy running. I do find it challenging to run with my mask. So I end up walking instead. Um, on, you know, I was in the Hamptons recently for some time and I was able to run without a mask because there was no one around me for miles. So I kind of was like in love with that. But, you know, I, I make the best of it. And, and, you know, a little painting here and there um, I've enjoyed during this time. Um, and But it's been hard to be really creative. I'm not going to lie. I know that there are people who are like, well, I wrote a screenplay. And I did. And I'm like, good for you. I could barely sometimes get out of bed and right? clothes, but okay. And I, you know, a good for you. And I don't think anyone should feel bad if, if their biggest accomplishment during this freaking quarantine is getting out of bed and showering. I'm serious about that. I think that we all have to be very kind to each other, to ourselves. There's so much going on that literally I feel by 12 noon, I'm drained just from the news. Uh, so that so that I do feel that I wish maybe that I could be that person that's like, I had this great idea and sit at my laptop and go off. I haven't been that person. I, I jot down ideas and I did come up with a concept for a show that I'm pitching. So, I mean, I'm not completely like saying that I haven't done anything, but it's been it's been hard. It's been hard. Yeah, I think it's been hard on all of us, but everybody well, like getting through it. Exactly. And like you said, everybody we does are. it differently. Some people write screenplay. Some people just need to stay in bed and it's okay. So and it's okay. Yeah. So I, well, we want to get to know you a little bit more. So we're going to do a little game, this or that. Okay. So it's going to be quick. Okay. And you got to answer dog or cat. Okay. Oh, both. Sorry. Both. You got to pick one. I have a cat and a dog. No, my cat. <laughs> do you see? She's, she's looking over my shoulder and then my, my dog is at my feet. I will not. Go Very there. typical. I am. Yeah. I, I'm not even. She's looking at me. She's like, what you going to say? I'm like, both. <laughs> Netflix or YouTube? Netflix. Yes, girl. Phone call or text? You better say Netflix. <laughs> what happened? She said you better say Netflix. I, I have to say text. I have to say text. Me too. <laughs> Cardio or weights? Oh, cardio. Well, that's why you like that Sumba. So I, I, I already yes. knew that one. Uh, Facebook or yes. Instagram? Instagram. Beach or pool? Ooh. Yeah. Uh, uh, pool. Hip hop or reggaeton? Reggaeton. I thought you were going to say hip hop. I thought you were a hip hop no, girl. Reggaeton. Okay. No, you know why? <laughs> because there's a certain person. You know what it is? There's a certain person in my life right now who loves 
reggaeton. So he has me like okay. obsessed with reggaeton. So, no. so who are you listening to? Oh my God. Oh, so I love, I'm all about J Balvin. I'm all about Bad Bunny. I'm all about Nikki. I'm, you know, listen, Setch. Like, I'm, I'm, that's okay. You're listening to all of the hottest ones. You know, <laughs> Diana Lennox. I'm yeah, in, I love Reggie. Oh, everybody, everybody's in there. Good, good. All right. Yes. Laundry or dishes? Dishes. In the washing, in the dishwasher. <laughs> Sneakers or chancletas? Sneakers. Sneakers. All right. Burgers or tacos? Tacos. Veggie tacos. Passenger or the driver? Driver. What's more important in a partner? Being intelligent or being funny? I'm going to say funny because I think that you cannot be dumb and be funny. You, you funny <laughs> people like really witty people are smart. So I will take funny because really like if you're super smart and I'm, I say this from experience, you're usually really, you can be, you can lack a self sense of humor. So I take funny any day. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Are you a morning person or a night owl? Oh, night owl. Dream dinner, and you can only pick one person. Okay, Michelle Obama or Oprah? Michelle Obama. Yes. Sorry, Gabby. Gabby would say Oprah. I would say Michelle Obama, too. (laughs) I'm sorry, Gabby. I mean, normally, maybe a couple of years ago, it would have been all Oprah, but I think that Michelle Obama is the epitome of grace and strength and what a real uh, first lady is and should be. So I'm all about her. Um, I'm all about her honesty. I just love that she is just real, like just freaking real. I'm all for that. And I'm not saying that Oprah isn't real, but I'm just like right now, Michelle is speaking to my soul with everything she's saying. I agree. But because we have to only pick one, you guys know I'm going to go for Oprah. I know. But... That was so fun. It was honestly so much fun to get to know you. Um, We really commend you for all the stuff you're doing with your sister and the book. Can you tell everyone again where they can get it and then where they can follow you? Yes, yes, absolutely. So the book is available on Amazon and it's also on audio. You You can hear it if you choose to. And it's in both our voices. We recorded our book, which is also really special for us. Um... And it's available in Spanish as well. And you can you can follow me. I'm the worst with this. Like, I know that I'm on Twitter and, and uh, Instagram. Instagram, it's like Selenis Leva official, right? And then I think Twitter is like Selenis underscore Leva official or something crazy like that. I'm the, I am the worst. Yeah, yeah, we'll tag you. Tag me, yes. And, and then, you know, right now, the Disney Plus watch, you know, all episodes of Diary of a Future President are currently available right now, streaming Disney Plus, and we will be hopefully shooting the next season shortly. So amazing to have you. Thank you so much again for your time. Um, it was a pleasure. Thank you. And we hope that when you come back to Miami and everything's done and pandemic's over, we can meet again for dinner and we can celebrate season two and everything else that you're doing. Thank you again. Thank you so much. I would love that. I would love that. Thank you, guys. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Bye. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and see you soon. Bye. Bye. You're listening to Bye. 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 B
listening to Girls Gone Boss. Hosted by Alex and Gabby. I love you guys. Oh, yeah.